Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I am Stephen O'Grady. I'm the co-founder of Redmonk. Uh, Redmonk is a developer-focused industry analyst firm, and I'm here to talk today with Varun. Would you care to introduce yourself, sir? Yes. Hi, everyone. I'm Varun Badwar, founder and CEO of Endor Labs. We help organizations adopt open source software more securely and confidently. Excellent. And that's actually a, a uh, sort of good introduction or, or segue, as it were, in terms of our conversation uh, overall, which is, you know, so we're going to touch on sort of the security side, well, so some of the key uh, takeaways from a security standpoint. But before we get there, I wanted to sort of get into some of the context that we at Redmonk see in the conversations that we're having, right? So in other words, you know, developers are in an interesting spot today in the sense that they're being pushed to move faster and faster and faster, right? Organizational priorities at this point are across the board on velocity. Right? The organization wants to move faster. They're pushing their developers to do that. At the same time, you know, developers are forced to do this with fewer of them, right? We've had layoffs across you know, sort of a variety of industries, so there's fewer actual bodies to do the work. And at the same time, they've had more jobs posted, uh, you know, sort of on their shoulders, right? Jobs that used to be sort of upstream or to the right, if you will, of, you know, the actual developer work are now being placed back on their shoulders. And again, the context of all of this, of course, is that, you know, security has never been sort of more of a sort of critical consideration because the attacks get sort of more novel and more sophisticated by the day. So that's the sort of setup. That's the context here. You know, it's, 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 uh, you know, not to put too fine a point on it, it's a hard time to be a developer in many ways. Um, and, you know, to that end, you know, you you all have done some some interesting sort of, you know, research and survey work in terms of, okay, what precisely does this mean? What are the impacts? So can you can you sort of talk about that work and sort of pull out some of the some of the key findings in your view? Yeah, and so Stephen, first to your point, I think as we talked to a lot of organizations, the biggest frustration is this kind of what we call the developer productivity tax that security tools and security results and scanning is causing. And in a lot of places that's ending up being upwards of 50% of the developer's time. So we dug deep to say, why is this happening? And look, I'm sure we've all seen statistics that a majority of our code is now open source. In fact, specifically over 90% of our code is open source. Now, when that's happening and you're running all of these security scanning tools against that code, you're producing tens of thousands of alerts. In reality, when developers are tasked with manually doing code reviews to uncover if this is a real problem or not, only about eight, actually only about two out of the 10, meaning eight out of 10 are false positives. Why does this happen? Because only 12% of the code you're importing from the open source ethos is actually used by your first party application. So think for a moment. If you could eliminate the 88% of the code that you knew wasn't being called in your application, isn't exploitable, you could be so much more targeted on the things you need to go find and fix out of cycle versus things you'll just fix in a regular release cadence as an engineer. Yeah, and that's, you know, one of the, one of the I mean, I know sort of dating back to my own days as a developer, you know, part of it was, you know, God, we had this so many times where, you know, QA would come back and say, hey, we have, you know, sort of X issue or, um, you know, sort of the bug fix and so on. And you'd sort of dig into it, you'd take it apart for a couple hours and it turns out, well, you know, guess what? That pertains to sort of an older version of the product and it's no longer an issue and you just wasted a bunch of your time, right? So this is a, it's a cycle that developers know well. Um, you know, I guess my my question is sort of what can be done, right? In other words, 
you know, if we can all agree that, and I don't, it should be terribly controversial, right? That, you know, look, we're consuming a lot of open source software. A high percentage of that open source, however, is not actively utilized, it's just present. So, you know, obviously, if we're going to to target, uh, you know, security issues and incidents within a given code base, you only want to work on the stuff that's actually relevant and in use. So, yeah. okay, great. You know, I think that's the that's the obvious takeaway. We want to focus on the things that are going to uh, that actually represent vulnerabilities, as opposed to some artifact that somebody imported a while ago and is not not used uh, and doesn't represent a vulnerability. So, what do we do? Like, what are you, you know, when you're talking to to developers today, um, yeah. you know, what are your recommendations? So first, let's understand the cost, right? Because ultimately, developers will want to do things once you can quantify the problem. Right. On average, each time what our service found is each vulnerability that a developer is tasked with reviewing, just to review and triage to the point of decision of, am I actually going to do something about it or not, is on average eight hours of time, okay? <laughs> So yeah. it is not uncommon that you have tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of these. Let's take the round numbers. 10,000 less vulnerabilities to investigate manually is 80,000 development hours given back for you to write code and innovate. Okay, right. so that's the magnitude of the problem. So what do you, why does this problem exist and kind of what do you as an end developer do about it? The root of this problem, Stephen, is the fact that most of the scanning tools around software composition or open source scanning, whatever you want to call it, rely on manifest files. So they'll rely on your package.json, requirements.txt files, and things like that. These are basically proxies, guesstimates, to what's the reality in the application. At best, you know what packages are being imported, names and versions, how they're being used, what's dynamically being invoked in your application, through all of the other nuances of, like, of languages like Python that are extremely popular with the advances in AI, is ground reality doesn't exist in manifest files. So where does it exist? Source code, your code as it's being built is the best source of truth. That's the ground reality of what's happening. So if you, instead of scanning manifest files, can scan the information in your source code through static analysis, now you have a very fine-grained set of specific findings of what's actually happening in your code and what do you care about. And beyond that, you can apply layers of prioritization like exploitability, maturity of those exploits. Is this code even available and, and running in production or is this just in test? Um, you know, have you shipped this release to a customer? There are so many mechanisms that you can apply. And what we find on average is when you do that, you can get rid of 90% of the noise. And the 10% of the things that remain are the things that you have evidence for of how exactly this is happening in your code. So one, the time saving comes from the, the, the majority of those findings that you don't even as a developer have to investigate, okay? So that's step one. The other benefits on cost even come from just the ease of, Processing the information provided to me. Okay, where is this in my code? Where's my first party code calling this dependency? What is the path to upgrading it? What is the impact? And so furthermore, for the things I even want to act on, if I can give you more confidence on how and where to act upon that, we are looking at millions of dollars of savings in a typical open source program kind of governance model. So, so true savings for, for enterprises of any scale and any magnitude. 
you know, if you have a handful of developers all the way to hundreds of thousands of engineers. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, you know, the analogy I would use here, it's almost like a, you know, sort of a intake nurse, right. In an emergency department, right. Where it's okay. You have to sift through, uh, you know, the, the actual, you know, sort of critical, uh, you know, injuries versus the ones that are like, Hey, you're, you're fine. Right. You know, you know, here's some aspirin, go home. You know, we don't need to see you. And, you know, that, you know, at scale, you know, particularly the scale that we're talking about here, you know, where, you know, there are, you know, some of the larger organizations are going to have tens, if not hundreds of thousands of the developers. The, the math gets pretty compelling there pretty quickly, you know, for literally saving them an hour a week, let alone, um, you know, eight, you know, sort of or more, you know, sort of on an incident basis. So um, that seems, you know, sort of pretty straightforward to me. Um, you know, I, I guess what we'll sort of, you know, leave with here is, you know, if you are talking to an enterprise, right, if you're talking to an enterprise that employs however many developers, small team, large teams, uh, anything in between. And, you know, the argument is clear to them on paper, right? Okay. Yeah, I understand that there's a better way to focus my time, my resources, my uh, developer, essentially availability. What's the next step? Like, where do they go? What do they do? Like, how would you recommend, you know, sort of they go about, you know, getting their their sort of uh, basically handle on the issue of all of this time wasted? Yeah, look, I think I think this is kind of where a lot of the Endor Labs focus on product development and, and what we offer to our customers is, is we are we are very proud to say, go out there, you know, look at your existing tool that's scanning your manifest files, you know, take your quote unquote best in class SCA tool that you use, and then go run Endor Labs against a similar environment or same code base and, and go see what here's what you're typically gonna find. You're gonna first find that the accuracy of just even the inventory of what's being used is so much better when you do it through static analysis versus manifest files. So the accuracy of knowing what dependencies you rely on, both direct and transitive, is much higher. The second piece is the prioritization. You will see that in action. But see, the third piece we haven't talked about is as an engineer, security issues are bugs, right? But there are other bugs and concerns I have with my code. Things like maintainability. You know, there's there's another important statistic worth calling out here. 62% of the time, once we import an open source package, we don't go back to upgrade it or update it. And there are lingering, you know, we, yeah. we have a saying, open source software ages like milk, not wine. Right. So if you're thinking you're gonna have this code base, it's like everything else. You have to maintain it. You have to update it. You have to know when to update it, find the best paths to update. And so those are the kind of things we're really highlighting to engineering teams is understand what's in your code, understand when's the best time to update, you know, flag issues when somebody's falling behind, because this is all tech debt at the end of the day, right? If I'm not doing something, I'm 67 releases behind on an open source library that's critical to my web application. That's a problem because tomorrow, if my pager beeps and something's down, I don't have an easy path to update. 67 releases in one shot. So, so I think these are the kind of issues that really are front and center to software development. And uh, yes, open source is free, but it's not really free because you have to put in the time and effort to maintain, manage, and nurture it. So you're saying there's a, a better way to approach things than being handed or handing your developers, I should say, a list of thousands of theoretical vulnerabilities that have turned up in a scanner. That's correct. There's a better way than that, and there's a better place to scan, which is not your manifest files. And right. I can go into so many reasons why 
manifest file-based scanning as, as your ground reality is so long. Well, we will have to we'll have to hold that for a future conversation. Uh, Arun, really appreciate you stopping by to, to talk to us about this. This has been great. Thanks for having me, Steve.